Hello, everyone. I'm so happy that you guys are in this room. I don't want to end the meeting with saying keep coming back. I want to let you guys know right now. Keep coming back. Bring a friend back bring their friend back, and these rooms are just great. I'm going to uh, stick with the format and uh, tell my story um, with my experience, strength, and hope. Um, I want to first start off by saying that what I'm about to say is very confidential because I'm in the process of and divorce, and my husband's name is Amsterdam Vodka. Okay, we separated right now. I'm not trying to get back with him. So I want you guys to keep everything confidential. That's a joke for anyone who didn't get it. So anyway, I'm not going to dig uh, too deep into my family history. Um, I do come from a family that abused substances. Even me overhearing that my great, great, great grandmother was an alcoholic on my mom's side. Um, my dad is alcoholic. My mother is an alcoholic. Um, but the positive thing I do want to say about my family history is that my mother's uh, grandmother turned her life around at the age of 30. Um, she surrendered her life to um, healthy eating, fasting, and um, meditating and just being a nice woman. Um, I, never, I never seen her or heard of her being in an AA program. Um, so I just did want to mention that positive part about being able to, you know, be sober because it's a choice that we make as individuals. Um, a thing about my experience is that when I drank liquor, I enjoyed my behavior. Um, I started drinking around 15 years old, um, being a teenager, I had a nice shaped body and um, I looked probably like a little older than my age. So I did attract like older men, like the guys in school really didn't talk to me in high school. Um, it was like the older guys on the block and in the street. Um, I grew up in um, Oakland, East Oakland. And um, um, from there, it was just like they were of age, they can go to the liquor store, buy liquor, and um, me being uncomfortable around people, being a very quiet person, being a very shy person, um, you know, I basically just did anything a man would tell me to do, so um, that's when alcohol was introduced to me, like, just like, bam, it's in your face. I grew up seeing it in my household. Um, I would say that my grandmother um, was a functional alcoholic. Um, she worked as a custodian for 30 years at uh, UC Berkeley. Gradu I mean, retired from um, the university. And I was like, she was like, I admired her. I admired my grandmother. She was beautiful. She had clothes. She had a car. She owned her house. And I'm thinking like as a teenager, I'm thinking like if she could do it, I could do it. You know, like I'm, it never crossed my mind or nobody really in my family ever told me like, don't touch this. Stay away from it. It was actually welcomed <laughs> into our family. So 
as I hit age um, 21, it was like, okay, I don't have to hang around nobody for me to buy liquor. I can actually get the liquor myself. And um, when I was in high school in 12th grade, I um, got my cosmetology license. So by the time I was 21, I was working in a barber shop. I had picked up the skill of cutting hair as well as braiding hair. So I was making at least like $700 to $1,000 a week <laughs> at the age of 21. So it was just like, it wasn't like no little small personals and any half pints. It was like big bottles of Hennessy and Remy and, you know, all the finest good stuff for a 21-year-old. So um, I had um, went and leased, not well, least buy, least buy, buy a car. I went to the car dealership. They um they gave me a car which I paid the car note on. It was a two thousand. It was two thousand eight, and it was a two thousand seven Honda Accord V six engine. Anybody know anything about cars? They know that that car is very fast. So that is when I caught my first DUI when I was um, 21 years old and I was uh, driving in a car. And I remember it was Halloween Eve and I had bought a nurse outfit costume and um, I was driving from San Leandro Halloween party store all the way to Fremont to meet a guy on his lunch break and I was drinking driving swerving through traffic just trying to make it out there while it was his lunch break um, I don't want to stay uh, too stuck on the details of every story of me drinking but you know I accepted the results of um my with my intoxication caused it, it caused me to have DUIs it caused me to get um STDs um it caused me to like get in arguments and fights with my family it it just caused a whole bunch of just like just stuff <laughs> you know when you just say stuff like just so much stuff you just can't put a finger on it. it's like damn everything is fucked up but I, I, I accepted them results because I wanted to drink no matter what I I had to deal with my consequences, my DUIs, I'm still going to have a drink. So I was introduced to the AA program through DUI school, which they um, required me to attend a certain amount of meetings. This guy in class said, you know what I do? They don't check. They won't know. You. I heat December of 2019. I took a bunch of muscle relaxers and I went right down to the store and got a half pint of Amsterdam vodka. I woke up in ICU. They told me my heart stopped beating. If I was going to go out, I was going to go out with my husband. Amsterdam vodka. I was going to go out with that drink. So there is. <laughs> There is no no way to avoid what we have to do 
to get sober, maintain sobriety, maintain sobriety, um, tie in, no matter what, you are going to make it. Keep coming back. Find sober friends. Find sober places to go to. One hour, one minute at a time. One hour, one minute at a time, one meeting at a time. The 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 um the process of the divorce is um getting getting an attorney. That's that's what I'm going through with my separation with um one Amsterdam. One minute left. I got an attorney. You know, I start listening to the um, suggestions people made in the program. I start hanging around people who had years of sobriety. Um, I stopped um, going to locations that was um, near liquor stores or uh, people, places, and things that will get me triggered. I, I used to go, I got over 90 days. Under 90 days ago, I was going to meet and still intoxicated to the, um, the the liquor store was right next door to the meeting. So, you know, whatever way you cut the cake, we're going to have to surrender and um, and and just get it right. So um, good luck, everybody. Thank you for coming. And um, yeah, um, we can do this. We can do this. Thank you. My name is Stone, and I'm an alcoholic, Hey Stone. Um, I want to thank everybody that came, you know, that some of it, I'm very touched. Some of, I mean, it's been a long year and a half. Uh, the pandemic started in March. My sobriety date's March 20th. So the same week of my uh, nine-year anniversary, uh, we closed down midnight. It's uh, my home group. And uh, I designed this shirt, um, but at the time, I if we wouldn't have had Zoom, I would be fucked. I would not be. I don't. I don't know. I don't want to say. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I don't know what could have happened. I try never to go there. I try to look at what happened and what can happen. You know, in the future. Can you? You can hear me, okay, Laura? I'm assuming you can. Okay, so uh, yes. let me let me just You're go back. You're coming it's gonna let me go back then i usually rarely i skip over my drunk a lot normally but this i have enough time so i grew up in uh, ketchikan alaska um it's the rainiest city in the u.s on most years it's uh 260 days of rain you know uh, it used to rain for a little bit um, i didn't know any better because it was always it just rained you know that's just how the world was um, I'm, uh, I brought back some memories because my best friend from, uh, growing up, my oldest friend, his mom and my mom were best friends. He, uh, texted me, well, he tried to kill himself in the spring. He was going to move with his wife to North Carolina. And the last the next time I heard from him, he tried to kill himself because he's getting a divorce. Um, and then he texted me last night that he... Uh, was going to give me everything he owns if I uh, if something happened to him in the next day or two, you know. And it really 
it hit me because he's also the only one that can remember. Like uh, he, he has memories I don't have because I I, I I I like to shut shit out. You know, I like the blackouts. I never drink that fun. I drink to fucking not think, to not see, to not be there. Um, like I got repressed memories, and I had a shrink. She wanted to help me take them out. I'm like, fuck that. You know, they're repressed for a reason. You know, so it's the the same time, like, he was, my house growing up, it had, uh, my mother, she liked these reflective, uh, this glass, you know, in the sunlight, like, you got in the glasses, it'll change to, like, mirrors, so, in the daytime, the outside of our house would be mirrored, but at nighttime, you could see in, and it was mirrored in the inside, and, uh, so my, my friend would come over to see me, and, uh, you know, my dad would be disciplining me in the way that he knew how, which was, you know, I mean, uh, I answered to like stupid. I answered to dumb. I answered to not good enough. I answered to, you know, lots of things, you know, pussy, whatever you want to call me. And, uh, then he quit, he quit drinking when I started drinking. You know, he hasn't had a drink since like the, uh, the eight, early eighties. But, you know, that first, the, the old him is still there. You know, I don't know if I've completely gotten over it, even with the fourth and fifth step, but. The person he is now is a sweet fucking guy, you know? He's a good guy. Um, so anyway, I started drinking, you know? Uh, I was always a weird kid. I mean, I was, like, some of my earliest memories, like, my mother, she gave me these rubber boots. She told me not to get them dirty, you know? They're, like, brand new. And my dad took me hiking, and uh, I wouldn't go in, like, the puddles. So he just, he, you know, in front of, you know, I just remember in front of his friends, he's just like... Uh, He's just calling me, like, braiding me, you know? And, uh, it's, I always felt like I wasn't good enough. And then I started drinking, and I felt, I didn't care. I don't know if I felt good enough. I just didn't give a fuck, you know? I would tell people, I'd make up stories, you know? I'd say I was, like, dying of cancer or whatever the fuck, you know? But I also felt like I belonged somewhere, you know? It's like, uh, it was my freshman year of high school, and I remember drinking, like, uh, two-finger tequila during the 84 Super Bowl, Marcus Allen, Oakland, then and Redskins, and, uh, like, I just remember, like, waking up, like, I just passed out almost, you know, right after drinking, and, uh, like, my first year drinking, I mean, it was just the blackouts just came almost instantly, um, but my mom also, I should preface it by saying that I'm, half Native Alaska, Native American, I'm half Irish, so uh, I was kind of like doomed from the start. Uh, my mother would tell me that you're going to be an alcoholic if you drink. I didn't know, I had no idea what she meant, you know. I just knew that the family name on the Native side was a very big deal. The Leasks in Alaska, they were known for being hard workers, for uh, being a different kind of Native, you know. And uh, so she would always say, I was, I was born on my grandfather's birthday, August 21st, and uh, he died. But I always think that like, uh, I believe in guardian angels, you know. I believe I've been many, 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 too many times. I can't count how many times I've been touched by God or something has stopped the car that's spinning out of the fucking, like, uh, like going around a hairpin turn in the rain and it's spinning around and it's going towards the ledge and it just stops, you know. I can't count the amount of times that's happened to me. Um, or just like I'm driving and I get a feeling. And there's like a cow in the middle of the road or whatever I've done, you know. Like, um, 
So I started drinking in high school. No, weed was legal when I was growing up, so you could get all the weed. It wasn't, it wasn't legal. It was decriminalized, so you could have all the... Anyway, I smoked a lot of weed. I smoked a lot of weed in high school. I smoked, I drank a lot in high school. I had like a pint in my uh, sock drawer. I uh, would drink and uh, people would give me like mayonnaise jars full of alcohol just that they would get from their parents' cabins and I would drink the whole thing. Like even in high school, I'd wake up in my vomit, you know, wake up in my urine, think that was, you know, I always thought that was weird, but, uh, I, you know, I just keep that shit a secret. Um, eventually I went to my parents, they sent me to treatment when I was 16 years old. They told me I was going to Disneyland and they dropped me off in Seattle on Christmas Eve and, uh, they did an intervention on me and, uh, like, even, even after that, anytime there was, like, any family gathering, anybody coming to visit me, I would make whatever ex I had at the time promise me there was no intervention, you know, because um, I was always expecting one, like a surprise birthday party. But uh, they dropped me off. They went to, it was at the time, it was the tough love period. So they uh, they went on to their Christmas in Disneyland. And I was in Seattle, and uh, by then I already had six felonies. Um, or stealing out of stealing guns. I had 27 guns when I was 16. I had, uh, I would whip off these cabins and I would take out alcohol and I would trade the guns for cocaine or weed. But I, uh, went to treatment and then it's like things started to change. See, growing up, I was a weird kid. I would, I was just weird. Like I pissed myself until I was like 12. I, uh, was, I just I didn't have hardly any friends um, except for Steve. But Steve and Steve would like fucking berate me, you know, because I wasn't cool and he was cool. He was a good looking kid and I was fat and had glasses. And my mom would always dress me like a dork, you know. I didn't even know I didn't know any better, you know. I, I didn't have Levi's until I was like eighteen. It's like I, my mom would buy me these women, these girls' pants, you know. If you weren't like a guest pair of pants and just get mocked. But uh, I also did start playing sports too and. Uh, once I found like um, wrestling and football, anything with violence, you know, I was I was pretty good at it. Um, fast forward, you know, I, I was went to treatment. I stayed with my grandmother in Seattle for a year doing aftercare. Um, I actually was sober for a while, but I also had disconnects. You know, I, I did. I was like certain things were lacking. Like I remember this girl, like I had this crush on, and uh, I would visit her when I was going to work at the bus stop. And she told me that she, her, her and her boyfriend could see other people. I just, it went right through my fucking head until I moved like six months later, like on the ferry. And I was like, oh shit, you know? Oh shit, you know? It's like, I mean, I, I'm like, I literally, like, I, I don't, even now I don't get fucking cues like that. But I was also raised a certain way. My mother told me that I was born with my dad's looks. So I had to learn, uh, uh, I learned, she would teach me how to cook and how to sew and, how to clean and shit, you know, because she thought that if I was going to have a wife, I'd learn other skills, you know. But she also wanted me to be different than my dad because um, she was a stay-at-home dad, a mother, and that's the way it was. And uh, she went back to school, and my dad told her that he was going to divorce her if she went back to school. This was in the 70s, you know. And she, she put her foot in the fucking sand. She went back to school, you know. She became a teacher. Teached on uh, Annette Island, the Metlakatla Reservation, you know for like 20 years um so i mean it's like i always know that i can do shit you know if i really put my mind to it so, 
So I was in high school in Seattle for a little bit. I went back to Alaska. Um, so I was going to make it in Seattle as a dishwasher. You know, going to make it in the world at two twenty-five an hour. And uh, I, you know, I did that for a little bit, and I was like, "Fuck this!" You know, because it's like take acid and do shit out and my fucking I don't know man just some friends got in some trouble so I left and I went back to Alaska and I went back to high school after dropping out basically for a year and a half and I met my ex in a theater class I was sober though in Alaska my like my senior year of high school and uh, I I dated her she was like my first girlfriend like I was a virgin until I was 18 but I would lie about it you know say like there's this girl like California whatever the fuck you know but uh and I was like sober, and even in a, as a high school senior, they would send me out to people that were like suicidal, like other teenage dudes. And I would like they send me to do interventions on them and just you know tell them it's going to be okay, and uh, which I would do. Um, I just always I find myself in those kinds of things. I don't know why, but uh, I graduated from high school. She broke my heart, you know. She did the same thing. We could see other people. She saw and seeing other people, and. Uh, but um, I'm only saying this because it'll go back later. I went to college. My um, I finally graduated with a 1.27 high school GPI uh, GPA, uh, and uh, my mother and my sister they tried to get me a job logging. I, I also grew. I also worked in fishing boats in Alaska during the summers, and uh, I loved it. You know, I'm out in the fucking water, and it's like fucking dramatic, and you know, fucking hurricane force winds, and you can fucking die, and like we. I remember one time we took the survival suits and the life jackets out to put a keg on board, you know, so we could drink in secret. And uh, I love storms, you know. I just fucking love them. Um, I've always been that way. But, you know, my mother and my sister tried to get me to go into logging. And uh, I, I wanted to go to, I wanted to try college, you know, because I knew that I was smart. Like, even though I knew I was dumb, I knew I was smart, too. And, uh, because they did a test on me once to see if I was brain damaged, you know, because uh, I was so weird and, uh, and ended up my IQ was like higher than normal. So I went to college and I sat in the front and uh, I got a four point, you know, because my sister and my mother tried, they, they didn't want me to go to college because they didn't want to see me fail. And uh, I was, it pissed me off, you know, it pissed me off. So I, I started running. And I would just go to, I would, I would sit in the front and I started learning shit. And college is different, you know, because I don't have to do these stupid fucking uh, assignments that mean nothing. I'm learning shit I don't care about. So I was taking like music classes and art classes and philosophy and I was going to be a lawyer. And then I went to uh, Eastern Oregon University after that, after Seattle. And uh, there it was like, uh, I started taking theater classes because, you know, I'm shy. I was really shy. And, uh, I mean, I was good at being a dumbass. I was good at being a fuck-up, you know? I was Spicoli. Like, uh, was that guy from fucking uh, Breakfast Club? I forget, you know, the screws fall all, all the time. The world's in a perfect place. That, that's the kind of character I was. And then when I got to college, it was like, you know, people, like, started respecting me for what I thought, what my opinion was and everything. And, uh, and I itself, you know? And, uh, but I... Still, like, I was sober for like two years, and I started drinking. And uh, but I also my first scene at college, I got a girl pregnant, and uh, she became like my first wife. We're only married a month. It was, uh, but we had two kids, my two oldest daughters, and uh, 
we broke up and she just took the kids and ran. I had no idea where they were for a year. And she apologized later when she did like a sixth, so whatever, the, uh, her own amends to me, you know. But it still sucked and I went through it. Start, I just started drinking again. I started making money, sold cars. I didn't graduate from college then, but I ended up following her to Eugene, Oregon. I was selling cars. I was making good fucking money, but I was drinking like a fish. I got two DUIs. Um, she was going to college as a costume designer. And uh, we were broken up, though. And uh, my solution was to move to Hollywood, California with a friend of mine. And uh, I was going to make it as an actor, but I just fucked off at the beach for two years, you know. But in the middle of all this, you know, it's like I had the two DUIs that were just, I just never dealt with, you know, for 12 years until I got sober this time. March 20th, 2011. Well, first I went to my, my high school girlfriend. She called me when I turned 30. We hooked up again. She was going to grad school as a physical therapist in Portland, Oregon. Um, I moved up there, you know, off and on, off and on, off and on. I was drinking like a fucking fish. But I was in good shape. I had the California body, you know, like I was, I meant to be an actor. I just didn't do anything. And then she said, you know, nobody's ever really given you a chance. I've known you my She's known me since high school. I want to see what happens if somebody takes care of you and really nurtures you. So she did. And it was a fucking descent into fucking hell. You know, she had a son. I would take him to school. I was like, he was like a good kid. And, uh, I was kind of being a state of home dad for her to make her life easier. And I was still work. I was working then. And then about 2011 happened. Both of my grandparents died that lived in Portland the same month. And uh, I started drinking just a little bit. These little things called steel reserves, you know. And I just drink one, go to the gym, drink a couple, you know. And then uh, I drink a lot. And then I gained like 10 pounds, 10 pounds, 10 pounds, 10 pounds. We moved. We moved different places in Portland. Every year we moved for like 12 years. We moved to Seattle so he could be closer to his dad. I got her pregnant. She had like a miscarriage, got her pregnant. She had a miscarriage. We had a kid. She lived. Meadow. Meadow's a beautiful boy now. Um, I had four girls. Um, Anyway, we moved to Seattle so that we could be closer to her sons. Um, turns out her son was also my cousin because uh, in Alaska, his dad was native, so we're all related. Um, moved to Seattle. Things just got darker, way fucking darker. I just, the drinking got bad. I started gaining weight. I got up to 400 pounds at the end. They had to use a fucking loading scale at the fucking dock of the hospital to weigh me. And, uh, I would just steal her money. The worst things I did is like, uh, I got sober for like almost a year. She was, uh, we, had, we planned the last kid. We were going to have, we kept trying to get a boy, you know. And uh, the last kid, she was like, you know, okay, but I got to stay at home this time. You know, I've always wanted to stay at home and you'd be the, you work. And I was like, yeah, we'll do this. You know, I've had, I was doing good. Then when she was six months pregnant, I relapsed, you know. And the look in her fucking eyes, it was just... I mean, I, you know, I can't, but, yeah. And uh, she would uh, work two jobs as a physical therapist, making like six figures. She said, I would still steal, I would steal her money, the credit cards to go buy shit, to buy alcohol in the middle of the night, you know, right before it closed. The grocery stores quit selling. And uh, so she would donate blood, plasma, you know, and I would steal her fucking blood money to get uh, alcohol. You know, I would just get, I would get the cheaper diapers and the cheaper formula. I'd rationalize. 
look underneath the fucking car seats, you know, just to get like a, some natural ice and just drink it. So we knew I found our job in um, Wyoming that paid her 65000 to move, and uh, we moved there. It was like, a, all of a sudden, though, see, everywhere else I lived, we, we were like anonymous, you know? It's like we, we never knew the neighbors. So we do, I might yell at them a little bit, like when I was drunk in a blackout, fucking, you know, half naked or whatever, but uh, we moved to Wyoming, and all of a sudden, we're like in a fishbowl. She's working at the hospital, and... Uh, I remember I because I got free medical. She had good benefits, so I went in and found out that I had uh, was diabetic. I had the shiner. I couldn't figure out. I just passed out like when I was drunk and uh, had a shiner. I don't remember. And then found out that I had been in a diabetic coma. My blood sugar was seven hundred. They had me come straight in. She was so happy because you know I was going to have to stop drinking. She thought, and uh, I just I researched fucking diabetes. And if I don't if you don't need carbohydrates. You can't have diabetes. So I just, I went from like drinking beer only to uh, drinking rum and Diet Coke. And uh, so then I had uh, low sodium and went into shock because I drank so much Diet Coke and rum that uh, my blood pressure. Anyway, I was in shock. At her own, at the hospital she worked at, mind you, you know, um, just fucking humiliated. Like she lost, she told me she came in, she'd go like, you know, like, I've lost all the people that don't respect me. I'm like, oh, it's in your head, you know. When I got sober in Wyoming, it was not in her head. They're like that. They will fucking attack you. But March 20th, um, she told me that I was the most uh, negative person she ever met, that uh, I would never get back more than 10% of what I took in life, that I was a sponge sucking all the love out of it. Um, that she didn't love me anymore. I would also be the man, the template for the kind of man that my girls would end up wanting to be with. Which, that she would pay for my first and last month's rent, but she was not going to take care of me anymore. And that we were done. So I was going to kill myself I was going to drink, you know? And that's what I decided to do. And uh, it was daylight. By the time I figured out, I didn't figure out, I couldn't make a fucking decision that I was sober a day. So then I went to a meeting and I sat at the end of this fucking table at this church and, uh, I said, you know, my name is Stone. This fucking thing does not fucking work. Insanity's doing the same thing over and over again. I don't know why the fuck I'm here. And they said to keep coming back. And I've been sober ever since. You know, if you're new, God's grace, it's like there's a three-leaf clover. It's what it signifies uh, St. Patrick. Oops, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, whatever your religion is, it's the symbol. But the fourth, the fourth leaf is grace, you know, which is when you get it, you fucking hang on to it, you know. I don't know. Anybody that's sober day, I don't know if you have another one in you. I've lost so many friends this pandemic. Friends that just, they just drank and they didn't come back, you know? Joe, looking at my friend, Chef Gary, people I've known, they just disappeared. I ran the New York City Marathon like four years ago. My friend, the very fucking end, he was rooting me on. He's fucking dead now, you know? So I quit drinking. I was in Wyoming. I started walking. I would walk with my daughter, my daughter Meadow, in Juneau. And we would walk, and I started losing weight. And then uh, I was out in the fucking Badlands. So I went running to see how far I could go. The first time I went, it was like nine miles. It's like 300 pounds. So I just got this feeling like, I'm going to run the New York, I'm not sorry, the LA Marathon, you know, because it was like right at my fucking sobriety day. And this fucking weird light, this fucking presence of good just came over me. And I just felt like I was supposed to do this thing. So I started training. And my ex was telling me I can't, like, biomechanically, I'm just. Like, I can't do it. She's like, you can't run. You're not a runner. You're too overpronated. You're going to fucking kill yourself. So when she told me that, I fucking know she would have, you know, I ran it. But I would just, I would, I would do these long runs out in the Badlands of fucking Wyoming. And, uh, 
I would feel like shit out there, you know? I just feel shit. I just There's nobody out there. The only people out there, the only things out there are like coyotes chasing me, you know, just to see if I'll fucking fall. And I, would, I just loved it that I could run in 100 degrees or minus 10, you know, in the fucking blizzards. And I just did that and did that. And then I would run out of money. I couldn't make it to uh, L.A. Like the week before, and a friend of mine, she was like, uh, you've come this far. You're right there. Let me just do this fund me thing. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. I went to sleep. There's no money. I'm feeling like a fucking loser. I wake up, and there's enough money to fly there and back. And uh, people that didn't know me, you know, people I didn't know, just giving me money to do this. So I ran an L.A. Marathon. 2012, and uh, when I did, it's like, just uh, I hadn't had an ID in like, you know, 12 years. So I, I went to get an ID, and when I was there at the DMV, I'm like, you know, what would it take to get a license? I was scared. I was paranoid. They're going to run my fucking license and throw me in jail for the two DUIs. So, like, why don't you just call the DA? Call the DA. So he's like, you know, just don't do it anymore. Because I told him, I was so, just don't do it anymore. I'll drop him. He dropped him. Got a driver's license, you know. When I was flying down there, I was like so amped up with like all this fucking energy. I met this guy that was owned this dealership on the flat down. He was like so empowered. He was like so impressed by my energy. He hired me to sell cars, but then he ended up, uh, they fired the service manager. He got me a job. Like I promoted me to being a service manager in an automotive dealership in the middle of fucking nowhere. I had no idea how to repair fucking cars, but I was a theater major, so I, I knew to act as if. So I, I just I knew what I was doing, you know? And I would just, uh, I would still run though, and uh, oh yeah! But when I ran the LA Marathon, when I finished it, when I was flying back, it was my year anniversary. The plane had to make an emergency landing. I thought I was going to fucking die. I was, but I, you know, I had the presence of mind to post on Twitter, and uh, I was fucking terrified. The same anxiety I feel that made me drink. I couldn't stay up at night. I had to fucking drink. I couldn't fucking breathe. I had to. You know, it's all the lie. But I felt that, and then it was like I remember just. I just prayed, and I'm like, okay, God, if this is the way it's got to be, you know, if this is what my life is, I'm okay. And I just, I, I felt like it was okay. Then I, I got back to Wyoming, and this girl, this lady, she met me at the airport with my one-year chip, and it was fucking beautiful. And then eventually my ex, she moved the kids out to New York City. Uh, she married us. She went to the same high school. She married the boyfriend she had before me. <laughs> He's a New York fireman. You can't do that anywhere but New York, you know? I mean, it kind of loses its coolness. But uh, she, uh, I fought like hell to keep the kids in Wyoming, though, because, you know, I made a life for myself. I was making good money, making more than I make here, you know? Fought. I fought like hell. But at the end of this, you know, like when I'm, when I'm finding her, uh, going to get ready to fucking put all this shit into, like, the court records, like a statement of facts. My lawyer was kind of, like, leading me to, like, write a bunch of bullshit, you know? So I wrote two statements of facts. One that was the real one. One that was the fucking phony one. You know, that would get me custody. And I just remember praying on it and going, I don't want my fucking kids if I got to be fucking a liar. I don't want my kids to have a liar for dad. You know? So I didn't. I lost my kids. They moved out here, you know. And uh, I thought like, no. And then I would, I would, it was, I would come all the way out here with no fucking money. I, I remember one time I, I drove out. I budgeted. I didn't have enough money to fly. But I knew I had enough money to drive out here with enough gas. So I did. I didn't know about toll booths, right? So I had enough money. But when I got here, I was fuck, I had 10 bucks left, you know. And I just, my plan was to drive straight there, drive straight back, not miss any work, you know. Fucking insane. I mean, insane alcoholism. 
which I did. And my ex was, she just knows. And she's like, why don't you just take a little nap? And I'm like, no, I'm good. You know, I'm going to take kids. She's like, why don't you just take a little nap? I take a nap. I fall asleep in two minutes and sleep for like 18 hours, you know. And uh, But I ran out of gas in South Bend, Indiana. Uh, I felt defeated. I looked at my, my, my girl and I said, I give up. I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. I, I, I can't do it. Because she wanted me to, she actually wanted me to, she's the one that asked me to like fight custody because she wanted to live with me. And uh, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I, I give up. And then a friend of mine that lived in Indiana was like, why don't you go to uh, Notre Dame, you know, while you're there. And I look up and the mass is like in 10 minutes. So we go to mass and uh, we go in the mass with, singing Amazing Grace. I'm going in there with my kids. And I'm just, the sermon was about traveling with nothing. Just giving up everything you got, putting down all your burdens, shaking the dust off your sandals, and uh, starting fresh. So I did this literally, you know, I took off my sandals. And I, I asked some people for money, and there was already money Western Union I didn't know about, like $500 I had more than enough to get back. I was just a dumbass, you know, self-willing it. And uh, there's another time that we flew and I saved $5 on Spirit by getting a connecting flight in Fort Lauderdale instead of fucking Dallas. And uh, we flew through a hurricane. It was the same thing. You know, it was the last plane to leave. And my daughter was like, I'm scared. I'm scared, Dad. And I just remember saying, it's going to be okay, honey. And I didn't believe it. You know, you can't lie to your kids, so you got to make it, you know. That's one thing I'll tell you if you're new. Or even if you're not new, it's going to be okay. But I will do every fucking thing in my fucking power to help make it okay for you, you know? Because I know what it's like. You know? And that's what I did on this plane, you know? I was fucking scared. Like, at the time, I'll admit it. I was scared of fucking anybody with a turban, you know? I mean, I didn't. I was in Wyoming. But, uh, it's like everybody everybody looked fucking suspicious of, you know? But then I talked with one of the stewards. She's like, that's New York City. They all look suspicious, you know? Because everybody's looking behind them. That's how I walk, you know? I'm always looking behind them. But, uh, I move out here. I I, uh, I knew it was going to be hell. I knew my ex was going to fight me. But she did say right before I moved, before I made the decision to move, she was like, why don't you just fucking try it? You can always move back. You're a theater major. Why the fuck are you in Wyoming? It made sense, you know? So I just I thought, I'll just try it. And I came out here. I put all my belongings in a 1999 Berkeley Cougar. Is that five minutes, Laura? You look ready. Five minutes, yeah. Timing's immaculate. But, you know, so what I do is, uh, I take this fucking Mercury Cougar, I'm going to come out here for New Year's, you know, and I see the fucking city. My car catches on fire in South Dakota. As I'm driving down the fucking South Dakota badlands in the middle of fucking winter, minus 20 blizzard, you know, I have guns of mine to get on Pandora, put Highway to Hell, just to really, you know, get the vibe going. And, uh, felt defeated and I was, you know, my, my mind told me to go back to Wyoming make some more money and I just said, you know, the only way I'm going to fucking be a New Yorker is to fucking move to New York. So I uh, I got a one-way plane ticket. Like, uh, I had just enough money. My kayak had fucked up on a fucking a quote and I clicked on it and I was on the phone with them at the same time and they honored it. So I came out here with the clothes on my back, two skunk skins and a Hannah Montana boots because that's what my daughters wanted from Wyoming. That's all they wanted. So, like I show up here, I show up at midnight. I got like two fucking skunk skins and a Hannah Montana purse. I'm not even fucking making that up. They thought I was fucking Looney Tunes. 
And I just kept going to midnight. And I started doing steps, you know. Five years, I started doing steps. I became homeless year six, you know. I knew it was going to be okay then. It didn't feel okay at times. I would, I would sleep in the back of this fucking meeting room. Midnight is home to me. It's the most beautiful place. It's just a place. But I mean, people have taken care of me when things are bad. My stepson died. He overdosed on fentanyl. My daughter, my first day here, she told me she was lesbian. Uh, a few a year later, she told me that she uh, she went to a psych ward. She wanted to kill herself. The next year, she her mother said that she wants to be a boy. Now we started college this year. I'm so fucking proud of him. You know, I'm so glad I got the world. I shouldn't be alive. If you're new, you know I fucking love you. I'll do it. You know you can, you can do this. If I can do this, there's no way I should be alive. I shouldn't be here. I'm not as amazing as anybody wants to hear anything I have to fucking say. I feel fucking worthless. I still feel 400 pounds. It's like oftentimes people think I'm a certain way. You know, it's like I honestly don't. I don't know how to be a fucking like Mac Daddy. I don't know how to do it because it's just not me. You know, I, I feel even when I move, I feel like I'm 400 pounds still. You know, but. Uh, you know, I also know that I, I got a lot of love. You know? I'm a loving guy. I mean, I still want to be, I still want the white pick experience. I want the love, and I want the nice job, and I want the, I, I want it. You know? But you know what? I want my friend alive, too. You know? My best friend that like this. And I want you guys alive, too. And I want us to keep fucking growing as a fucking place. You know? and I want, I want, I don't, I just want love. You know, like, the only way you get it is you got to keep the fire burning, you know? So, uh, I don't know if I say anything that's, like, fucking worth anything, you know? But I'm here. I'm alone again. I work at night. So I'm going to quit my job really soon. But I'm going to... It's going to be okay. I'm going to make some... It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I keep saying it. Because if I don't believe it, the anxiety comes in and I want to dream. So i got to have faith. That's what faith is, you know? Faith is love. Faith is believing in something that makes no fucking sense. But I see other people that have done it. So I have faith that you guys can do it. I've done it. Ten and a half years. I've not had a fucking drink. I've been through fucking hell. You can do this. So I didn't drink today. It's a good day. Thank you for having me.